I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter. You see hip statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I drink to the fifth element while I highlight the fifth element hip hop with this knowledge. I welcome to the D, the I, the G, the G, the I, the N in the digits. Used with the B, the O, the B, the B, the Y, the T, the I, the G. Bobby Digital. I hate that song so much. <laughs> Bro, every time I go to my local record store, they've got all because he re-released all these albums on record store day, so they've just got. Oh, yeah. And it's so tempting. It's just it's really difficult to not pull the trigger, oh. at least on Digi Snacks. Oh. oh yeah. Bro, I want to hear Glocko pop on vinyl. I'll I call need, it out to you. I need that. Need Glocko pop on vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hi, Ben. How's your week been with this this week? This week, man, going to some stuff. Going to start off with non-hip-hop to begin with. Lana Del Rey. Did you know there's a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard? I can't find out if there actually is or not. I Google it, and all that comes up is the album. So maybe there is. I don't, I don't know. Maybe there is a tunnel. I'm not sure. But I think it's a very fitting title. For this record, which is far less focused and conceptual than her previous three, um, but no less impactful, emotional, and adept, it's definitely a sprawling journey through Lana's psyche. She inhabits a bunch of different roles and personas in order to provide commentary on her own experiences in her life, as well as exploring a lot of rigid stereotypes that exist in modern society. Um, but underpinning the entire project are just two Lana Del Rey staples. The song structures are pretty much the same as her last two albums, if she said that she had recorded all three in the same session at the same time, I would not be surprised. There are even songs here where, you know, the bridge or the pre-chorus, I'm like, oh, okay, she's going into, like, this is another song that she's already done before. And she changes it slightly. I'm not against it, but I can definitely see why that would turn some people off. The other staple is she's capable of finding beauty in every single topic. She finds poetry in the mundane she draws the emotion out of every situation. She actually initially planned to pose fully naked for the album art, but decided instead to allow her lyrics to speak for themselves, to speak for her, um, which is I thought was a bit weird because she's been doing that her whole career. So I'm not saying that she should you know, pose nude for the album, but I feel like her lyrics have been speaking for her you know, for the last 13 years. But she actually described fingertips as being her innermost thoughts. And often we get deep musings on her own advancing age. She's 37 now, so definitely a mid, it's a mid-30s album. Uh, what her mortality means for her in the present moment, like how she changes the way she exists now because she's confronting her own mortality. Uh, but it's, it's very powerful, man. I will go back and listen to this over and over again, but it's not the easiest album to go front to back on because it's very potent. You know, it's gonna provoke emotional reactions, especially with you sit down with the lyrics in front of you. I actually tried to do that again last night. I had the lyrics I have open. An answer, by the way. Say sorry. There is a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard. There is. Well there you go. Lana is It's called Jurgen's Jungle. Opened in nineteen twenty eight and closed to the public in nineteen sixty seven. Ran under Ocean Boulevard and provided access to the Pike and Beach via the Jurgens Trust building at 100 East Ocean Boulevard. 
that's actually pretty cool i like that i like that she did her research um yeah man look i i tried to listen to it last night with the lyrics in front of me and i, I couldn't do it it's too intense so the first two tracks it, like they're probably the most intense on the whole album so uh, i just wasn't ready for it last night but it, i think it's an amazing album i don't know where it sits in her catalog yet uh i feel like with all lana del rey albums they hit really hard when you first listen to them but they develop as you listen to them more and they take on a new life, especially when you start applying them to your own life experiences. So it's just not a disappointment in any way and I didn't expect it to be. So yeah, shout out Lana Del Rey. Depeche Mode dropped Memento Mori. Now I only know about Memento Mori because of Mike Skinner. Mike Skinner told me that Memento Mori means it's inevitable that we must all die. And sadly, uh, Depeche Mode comes after Andy Fletcher passed away last year. This album comes off the back of that, so it's very sad in that sense. It's definitely a Depeche Mode album. Um, it's a very interesting album because it sounds a lot like New Order a lot of the time. It sounds a bit like Soft Cell a lot of the time. It sounds a lot like Kraftwerk some of the time. And I've never felt like Depeche Mode wore its influences on its shirt like i didn't i never thought i was i'm never listening to a depeche i've been listening to depeche mode for like 23 years man i'm i've been obsessed with depeche mode i never listened to them and thought oh this sounds like Kraftwerk or this sounds like soft cell or this sounds like you know devo but listening to this album is the first time i've ever felt that way and not in a bad way you know i don't think there's anything wrong with it because there's like a lot of like heavy electrical noise in this album especially the first track first track on a depeche mode album is always going to hit you and it's always going to show you the direction that they're going to go um this reminds me of their i think it was 2005 album it's very similar to that um in terms of message in terms of there's some delicate tracks on here as well there's some social commentary i think it's a good album it's a very good album front to back listening uh, it, it kind of progresses as some poppy stuff here as well. Uh, the lyrics aren't too difficult to get into. Um, you can kind of understand what's going on every in every track. It is, it's not really that intricate or not that dense. Uh, but the, the messages are pure and the messages are powerful. You know, there's a lot of tracks about love, but there's a lot of tracks about, you know, there's a lot of social commentary, a lot of socially conscious content. So it's probably not the album that i was hoping from them like i was kind of hoping for something a little bit more stomping and a little bit more i don't know inaccessible i like it when depeche mode do that but yeah it's definitely a, a hark back to the 1980s that's what i think um ice cold bishop generational curse i've never listened to ice cold bishop before and i didn't know what to expect when i turned it on but there's some fucking amazing g-funk on here like they're getting into some wild grooves on this album it's a brilliant album. I really enjoyed it. Definitely like quite incendiary vocals, uh, quite aggressive, quite upbeat, um, you know, quite abrasive vocal tones, but on top of some straight up fucking G-Funk, some early 90s G-Funk. I put it on the other day uh, while my partner and I were working out and uh, she said, this is this is a good bop. This is a great bop. I'm like, yeah, man, this is a fucking great album. Like, this is this is a banger. So shout out Ice Cold, Ice Cold Bishop. It's great great record big baby gucci dropped colors this is definitely different to the one he dropped earlier in the year i think it was called homesick um this is more big baby gucci has gone back to that 8-bit soundcloud kind of daisy hazy electronic haze sound a lot of lyrics about drug taking uh just kind of where well, i felt like his previous record was more uh, it was more personal and he was kind of dealing with the issues 
around him and dealing with his own psyche. This one is just straight up big baby Gucci content and I got no problem with it. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Black dropped Since I Have a Lover. I've actually listened to this through a couple of times. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I actually, I, I wasn't sure that I was going to. I wouldn't say it was like sitting at the f- forefront of my mind while I was listening to it and I was like, had the lyrics up in front of me and I was dissecting it. It wasn't like that. It was it was chill. Uh, the lyrical content was quite delicate at times. Um, it was nice. It was calm. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, a lot of people are saying it's like a, a brilliant freaking album. Maybe I need to sit down and actually engage with it a little bit more. But I've spun it like three or four times and it does kind of slip into the background. But in a good way, I, I have no issue with that. Uh, Hit Boy, Surf or Drown. This one was interesting because you don't hear Hit Boy very much. I don't. I don't hear him. I'm. I'm. I was curious. I'm curious. It's the same with Alchemist raps. I'm always curious to hear Alchemist rap um, because I want to know what he has to say. He's certainly not oversaturated. I never hear what these people have to say. Like these producers, Alchemist, Metro Boomin, Hit Boy. Um, you know, all these like if Just Blaze could rap, I'd be very curious. So it was very interesting. Um, I don't know. I. I've actually listened to it quite a lot. I kind of found like the instrumentals was the best part of the album. Like I've found myself going back and listening to the instrumental tracks more so than the actual rap tracks. Like I felt like listening to Hit Boy talk and and tell us about his life situation and tell us about how he feels about things was interesting the first time. But when I try to listen to it again, I'm like, oh, I already heard this. Like I don't necessarily need to hear this again. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's bad in any way. Uh, I just found like the instrumentals. Maybe it's just the mood I'm in at the moment, just the instrumentals. I thought the guests were all pretty good. Um, I don't think anyone on there, I don't think he tried to like stack. I actually think what he did was try to accentuate himself more so than like, you know, draw focus away from him and put a whole bunch of massive names on it and create like a DJ Khaled type album, which I'm sure he could do very well. I'm, I'm 100% sure he could. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. Cool Keith dropped Serpent with Real Bad Man. And yeah, man, it's good. Always interested to hear what Cool Keith has to say. And that's the triumph of this album. Like his vocal tone is so great, so abrasive, so aggressive. And uh, some wild lyrics on here is going to take you on a journey. This is one of those ones where it's almost like you're sitting down and reading a book. It's um, always interested to hear what Cool Keith has to say. And finally, 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 JPEG Mafia and Danny Brown drop scaring the hose. Now, firstly, the title is obviously amazing, taking over that ridiculous thing that people were telling people in the underground, like, you're scaring the hose, bro. I was like, okay, cool, shut the fuck up. But yeah, man, this is great. Uh, a lot of people criticizing the mixing on this. Just go listen to another JPEG Mafia album. I don't know what you expected. It's not. This is not a Drake album. It's not a Metro Boomin produced album. This is a JPEG Mafia produced album. And he did produce 100% of the tracks. And uh, I think it's probably actually his most mainstream melodic release. Uh, I don't think it's as abrasive and... I've used the word abrasive a lot today. I like that word, though. I do like that word. But I don't think it's as, that, as, as abrasive as his previous stuff. Danny Brown is amazing on here, man. I didn't particularly like his last album. I, I, just, I don't know if that's a hot take, but uh, I, didn't, I didn't like it as much as his previous work. This felt like vintage Danny Brown. He just was skating, absolutely skating. Vocal tone right up there, super high. Um, 
And I actually thought he kind of got JPEG Mafia. JPEG, I guess it's because I'm so used to hearing JPEG Mafia rap on these beats. It didn't hit me as hard as Danny Brown rapping on them because I've never heard him do it before. I mean, I've heard him rap on all sorts of instrumentals, but not consistently. And I think what part of the joy for me was like, what's Danny Brown going to do with this instrumental? Because I know what JPEG Mafia is going to do on it and he's, he's going to kill it. But I thought Danny Brown was just perfect on here. I think their chemistry was great. I really do. It didn't feel like they were lurching from one rapper to the next every time they changed. It just felt like a natural progression. And I think it's a brilliant freaking album. There's so much to unpack in it, so many sounds. And that's the triumph of a JPEG Mafia album. There are so many different directions he goes in sonically. It's never going to get boring, man. You can sit there and analyze it and find different songs like perfect i think is just a freaking amazing instrumental like such a great instrumental so yeah man shout out jpeg mafia and danny brown shout out danny brown for retweeting me heaps as well and liking all my tweets like i appreciate that danny brown i know that you're listening to this episode i know you, you never miss this episode so shout out to you but that was me charlie what about yourself that would be actually kind of funny if he did to be fair that would be kind of hilarious um highly doubt but we live in we we live in hope. Uh, yeah, got three projects in good projects. Um, started off with Yaya Bay. Um, oh yeah, Exodus, the North Star. It's good um, one. Loved her album from last year, and this is kind of kind of the same. Seems seems as if like it's just uh, some tracks that were left over kind of thing. Um, uh, from you know the the sessions of the album, so to speak, and uh, as care projects uh, as care packages go, as EPs go, uh, one of the best of the year. Um, absolutely he is on here when Saturn Returns probably one of my favourites uh, on the Pisces Moon as well just some really good tracks here um, 6 tracks uh, 16 minutes so yeah not too bad on the EP front really love that uh, Adana Duru uh, Nappy Hour this dropped um, I don't think, oh yeah it's dropped uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, during March um, shout out to Mickey uh, and Search Source co-host who um, did a good profile uh, on her recently and uh, brought me to this pretty much um, she has kind of this pop fusion thing going on and I'm genuinely here for it like it's, it's got this afro beat foundation but the the hooks are sticky are memorable um, and yeah it's just really good to like like pop is just <laughs> it's so it's so easy to just such an earworm. Like, if even if you hate it, you're going to remember it. You know what I mean? It's just one of those tracks. Um, but, yeah, Boogie, Stay In with uh, Levin Carly, really nice. Really like that track as well. Um, yeah, some really good stuff on here. Really enjoyed the uh, really enjoyed that one. Uh, Lady Shocker, um, The General. Uh, Lady Shocker, obviously, uh, member of uh, Female All-Stars, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Comes through the own EP. Um and yeah, yeah. If you want, if you well, if you want that kind of vibe, I guess, uh, just that classic uh, UK rap grime kind of essence thing going on. Uh, Lady Shockers uh, here for you. Um, just come come through with some heaters. General Skank with Snoopers, just a just an absolute banger, real real banger. One for the whip. Uh, Wheel it, definitely one for the whip. <laughs> right out, definitely one for the whip. The whole thing's one for the whip. Let's just say that. Uh, really solid EP, and. Uh, other lineage or lineage, uh, but I'm gonna say lineage. Uh, Kingston the Cali, banging just a reggae EP. Um, nice and got got a nice length to it, even though it's an EP. Some um, 24, 25 minutes, six tracks, 
Um, so it's got some nice length with all the tracks, um, nice and nice and fleshed out, um, and just really vibey, really really vibey. Deep bass, um, but some really good instrumentation above it, and uh, she just sings over it. It's it's, it's wonderful. Really solid listen. Uh, what is next? Uh, Coats of the Friend and Static Selector uh, to see a sunset. I probably prefer the. I don't know if I prefer this more than To Kill a, uh, to kill a Sunrise. Um, I need to listen to that one again if I really wanted to compare. Um, but it's at least as good. I, I really enjoyed this one, especially the first three tracks High Noon, Real Ones, and Elevator. Really just top tier start to this album. Um, it kind of mellows out for me um, nearer to the end. You know, you have that high up go Brooklyn on, f- on the f- uh, track four. But once you get to I See You, Free Not Woke, and Thank You, um, it kind of mellows out to more, uh, just just less energetic, you know what I mean? Less less um, less head bopping and more just uh, more just vibing out. Um, and uh, I think Stag Sector does really good on the production as always. Um, really... I need a I need an instrumentation instrumental version of this album as well, um, just for just for the hell of it, because some top tier beats on there, um, absolutely crazy, especially um, especially Elevator. That that beat was oh, just so creepy. Uh, JPEG Mafia, Danny Brown, scaring the hoes. Um, yeah, I didn't expect like most um, like well like all JPEG Mafia projects, I don't expect to enjoy all of it because um, it's just purposefully abrasive <laughs> and and uh someone said uh i saw like a someone said to me in a group chat i saw in a tweet but it was like jp Mafia songs are just like you don't know whether he's trolling or not and i guess that's where like people are talking about mixing and stuff like that um i don't know whether that's on purpose you know what i mean is it supposed to be that un you know well seemingly low quality right um I don't know. I never know. And that's kind of the point, I guess. Um, love me some Danny Brown as always. Um, he's actually in rehab according to his, uh, his uh, recent podcast episodes. I do not know um, that. So um, oh, as, wow. as, the album was dro- as the album was dropping, he said he's going to put himself through rehab. So uh, I hope he's okay. I'm assuming he's uh, doing that as we speak. So uh, good luck with that. And um, yeah, you know, it's, uh, I love the Red Veil uh, track on a Kingdom mm. Hearts key. Really heated track on that one. Uh, <laughs> it's just crazy shit on here, man. Scaring the hose, the title track is just Jesus, just so loud. <laughs> Fucking hell. Just, cut, it's just coming at you all the time. It's just like, oh gosh, gosh, damn. But, um, yeah, there's some, there's some, there's some really esoteric shit on here, as uh, as um, I'm sure most people are aware. And if it's the bill, it's if it's the bill, it's literally it takes the scaring ho- the hose meme and it just personifies it and. In that case, it's a roaring success, um, and I, th- I feel like that's all it. W- that's all it was supposed to be. Uh, Hit boy, a surf will drown. I appreciate the fact that he put the instrumentals on the album itself um, after the actual regular tracks. Um, really, yeah, just just nice to have. I, I appreciate when people do that, when producers do that with their albums. Um, I don't know. I feel a bit fifty-fifty on it. Um, I feel like I. I was I was I was walking into it as thinking I would enjoy it more than I did if that makes any sense. Now I saw the track list, I was like, okay, some good some good people on here. I've seen Nas kicking off with the tight solid track. Um, a couple of Dom Kennedy tracks. Currency on Tony Fontana three. It was pretty decent. I love uh, uh Just Ask. That's a really good track. 
Uh, obviously, slipping into darkness where you know Hit Boy on Alchemist B, Alchemist on a Hit Boy B. That was that's awesome. A, that was, that a, was that's a good, that's a good, interesting concept. It was his control verse as well at the end. Like I, I wasn't sure about that one. I was like, mm, I don't know about that one. Like, <laughs> yeah. Interesting concept. Um, Avellino always just randomly on two certified. Didn't uh, expect Killed Avellino it. to pit, uh, to pop up on a Hit Boy album, but um, here we are. Apparently they have links. Um, yeah, no, that was decent as well. I don't know. I just um, I've I've listened. To, I remember listening to um, I forgot what it was called, but he did an album a few years ago where he uh, the Chauncey Hollis project. That was it. Yeah, and that was all him just rapping over. I'm assuming his own beats, obviously. And, um, you know, that was solid as well, but it didn't really, you know, wow me. And I feel the kind of the same here where, uh, you know, the production's solid. I mean, most, you know, Hit Boy barely misses here when it comes to production. Um, except for, you know, Burden of Proof, which um, Ben, ben is a hero on. Um, but, you know, apart from that, you know, he's, he's always hitting. And, um, yeah, production's solid. Raps are okay, I guess. Um, and, yeah, I just felt like I... Is there something I'm not not mixing with here? I don't know. Uh, lastly, Arrested Development uh, on the cutting room floor. Um, so this is a mixtape. Um, it's currently only on Bandcamp so far. Um, and uh, the art the artwork is beautiful. The artwork is beautiful. I want that on vinyl just for the artwork. Um, but yeah, basically it's just um well as you can imagine cutting room floor tracks. Um, but shit, man, everything Arrested Development does is just uh, this feel good. Um, just really enjoyable to listen to hip hop, right? As I, I keeps I keep saying this, they're the first easy listening hip hop anything. It's just it's adult contemporary hip hop, and uh, you know I feel like anybody can listen to it, anybody can vibe to it, and uh, yeah, just shout out to Speech on that leadership tip. Just um, continuing that, um, they're coming to the UK, I think in May, uh, may or may not give uh, give that a go. And actually, I also want to um, give some shout out to since um, uh, you know this is kind of a music music roundup. Uh, I've I wanted to add on some live stuff as well um, in terms of what we're talking about. Um, so this week I went to see uh, Patrice Russian. Uh, I went to see Tiggs the author and also Rose Windross um, at different places. And uh, I'm also going to see Lakeisha Benjamin um, a day after a recording, and that's uh, on Monday. Uh, day before this episode drops um but yeah patrice russian was great highly recommend patrice russian i mean you know legend uh i was late i actually got fined uh on the way because i fucked up my train ticket um so i have to like uh send send in writing to appeal it because they charged me 40 quid and that's just that's just stupid like i i, I didn't it's not like i skyped off but anyway uh that's not the point i was late and uh, I got like a shit spot, but the music's great. It's Patrice Russian, you can't miss. Um, Tiggs the author's amazing, of course. Um, Sorry, I'm at the Jazz Cafe as well. Um, shout out to Chris Dale, um, who I bigged uh, up her EP, put her on my EP list last year. Um, superb, just um, mainly drill artist, but she does other things as well. She came through with this unreleased track where the bass was hitting, hitting. It was creamy. Oh, it was creamy. Um, really, st- really stink face shit. Um, made me pull a face definitely and uh, Tiggs the author was great as well um, if you listen to his music it's just very you know mainly upbeat um, great band as well um, first time I've seen a tuba um, live <laughs> that, was, that was very interesting just the, this big ass dude with the tuba 
Uh, that was kind of cool. And uh, yeah, just really, really entertaining. And Rose Rindros, uh, who uh, was a kind of like a founding member of Soul to Soul. Um, she has a resi- residency uh, here in uh, in my end of all places. Um, there's a new spot called the Lounge Jazz Bar. Shout out to them. Um, don't know why it's placed in the arse end of the South End Airport um, of where I live, um, but it's there. Um, it's a nice spot, um, and the show is kind of like one of those things where, you know, people have <laughs> admittedly, you know, my mum's age, right, uh, hit up, you know, for, a, for go for a little boogie, you know what I mean? Um, and, yeah, I felt like uh, I was there with a friend and my pops. It was his birthday the, 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 the day after, so I took him as well. And uh, yeah, it was it was good. It was good. She, you know, she's uh, she's she's there for residency, and um, you know, highly recommend if you're if you if you're in my area, which I highly doubt you guys are, but uh, if you want to just you know kick it with kick it with a uh, an, an English uh, soul got a roots in reggae legend as well. Uh, shout out to Rose Rindros. and yeah, finish up there, and uh, we'll get into our topic of this episode: last uh, Women's History Month celebration. Time's flying by, eh? and uh, we're finishing up uh, with <laughs> another first lady. I, I I assure you, we did not mean to do this. Um, we did are not they all first, so ladies first ladies in this one? Or... I can't so many first ladies we're hitting, um, but yeah, I didn't mean to do that. But yes, the first lady of flip modes in this case, the flip mode squad, uh, raw digger. Um, and yeah, uh, we're going to get into a couple of projects, of course, and uh, everything about her, and ev- et cetera, et cetera, for the last Women's History Month expiration of this month, evidently, because it's Women's History Month. See what we did there? Anyway, babe, what have you got for us? Well, we have New Jersey native, as Charlie said, First Lady of Flip Mode Squad, and... We have another Q-tip mention in retrospective. If I genuinely had the mental fortitude, <laughs> I would go back over all our episodes and tally up the Q-tip references because I genuinely think he's one of the most underrated influences in hip-hop history. But we're going to talk about Ra, and she has a fascinating backstory. She was born in New Jersey and went to a private school in Maryland, actually. She actually graduated high school as the sal- salutatorian. I can't even say that word because I don't even know... I'd never heard it before in my life, obviously because I've never come close to being a salutatorian, but it's actually the title given to the student ranking second highest in a graduating class. So, Oh, right. So valedictorian is the first one, isn't it? Yes, yep. There's apparently okay. there's a third, one for third as well. Again, which I've never heard because I've never. But nobody been, cares. I've never been top three though. It's like, Who guesses that? <laughs> hey, I'd guess it. Fuck, if I was top three, I feel like I came third, guys. Like, <laughs> but she's obviously su- she's supremely intelligent. She actually went on to study electrical engineering at the New Jersey Institute of Technology. So she became a rapper though, not an electrical engineer. She grew up in a very musical household. Her parents, she said, were playing vinyl constantly. And this fostered a deep library of musical knowledge within her. So that when hip hop rose to prominence, especially through EPMD, Cool G Rap, uh, Rakim, KRS-One, who are her earliest influences, she said she felt an immediate affinity to the emerging genre because the samples being used were so familiar to her already. So she actually studied Cool G Rap, Rakim, and KRS-One and started to model her own MCing on their unique abilities. She said KRS-One's authoritative, 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 see that's why I wasn't the salad tutorian because I can't freaking say words properly. 
she said that his authoritative tone and deep knowledge drops gave her the blueprint for how she'd like to be viewed as an MC. And certainly you can hear this influence woven into every raw album and song. Like her vocal tone on the mic immediately demands your attention. And she definitely laces her lyrics with a litany of references, obscure words, phrases, technical terms. Like you can tell she's well read and has a big Rolodex of information at her disposal. She told an interviewer from allhiphop.com back in 2017, she adores knowledge and still has a thirst to learn something every day. She even said she's been watching Jeopardy her entire life. And clearly she retains a lot of that information. And I think it sets her apart as an MC. You know, it's hard hitting boom bap rap, but it's informed by Jeopardy. It's not a common selling point, but you could easily apply it to her. I think it definitely describes her music. Now, the way she speaks about Rakim too is fascinating. Like she really is a student of the game. The way that she approached school, the way she approached university, she approached hip hop as well. She said that she adopted his seriousness, so much so she thought it wasn't okay to smile. She told an interviewer, he always came across very serious. I never saw him smile in videos or any time I saw him. Now, Cool G Rap is credited with giving her the structure, counting her bars, putting them in sequence on a track, and making sure that you made songs and not just streams of conscious thought to beats. She told allhiphop.com that Cool G Rap taught her to write in 16s. KRS-One taught her to learn and drop knowledge. And Rakim taught her not to have fun and be serious all the time, which I found very interesting. And certainly by her second album, we can see that that demeanor kind of dropped off a little bit. But on her first album, she's very, very serious. Now, she singles out the song Road to Riches by Cool G Rap and DJ Polo as being truly pivotal in her development as an artist. Now, that dropped in 1989, and it's inspired Ra to start taking hip-hop seriously as a career and start making money from it. She said, I want to make money, take care of my family, and Road to Riches inspired me how to do that, in addition to teaching me how to put together the perfect metaphors, rhyme schemes, and triple entendres. Now, on top of this, she was influenced heavily by the Roxanne Wars, of course. She even told Vlad the very first rhyme she ever wrote in her entire life. She inserted herself into the wars. Now she said, and I quote, I was blown away by Shantae, the fierceness, the story behind it, one take off the head that really made me take it seriously. Then the real Roxanne enters the fold. She's responding to Shantae. So I feel some type of way because I've grown this affinity for Shantae. I went to Radio Shack and I got a tape recorder. Over the instrumental of Roxanne Roxanne, I recorded a rhyme dissing the real Roxanne posing as Shantae's sister, which I think is a pretty cool story. I mean, for Shantae, like, very rarely spoken about as one of the most influential MCs, but absolutely one of the most influential MCs ever. Now, Ra was still in her teens at this point. She'd begun rapping at age nine and started taking it more seriously at age 11, but she was still learning the craft and she hadn't yet decided to turn hip hop into her career. But she was very aware it was a possibility. But at the time, New Jersey was not seen as a hip hop powerhouse yet. And we spoke heavily about this during our Artifacts episode. Um, you know, Sugar Hill Records was formed in Jersey in the 70s, but this commercial breakthrough didn't have the stamina to push into the mid-80s when New York began dominating the scene. Now, Artifacts themselves said that New Jersey lacked a cohesive sound in the 80s, and Elder Sensei actually said he used to hide the fact he was from Jersey, something that Artifacts echoed in interviews. You know, it was people were like, there's no scene in New Jersey, so why would we listen to a New Jersey MC? Now, Ra's experience is actually pretty fascinating. She is linked to the explosion in New Jersey rap that happened in the early 90s from a very young age. She said she was actually involved with Flavor Unit, which I don't think we've ever spoken about. I mean, we've done Queen Latifah. Surely we've 
So we've, we've probably spoken about this more probably a long time, like years ago now. Um, Not explicitly, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Within that particular episode. So Flavor Unit was initially launched in Jersey and co-founded by Queen Latifah. Um, we actually spoke about the 45 King last week. He was part of the Tough City label, which initially relate, released the David DMX track Sweet Tea was featured on. And he was a huge part in the early success of Flavor Unit. Now, she was actually in a few groups uh, before she really popped off as a solo artist. And this is Rara I'm talking about. The first group was called Twice the Flavor. Now, she told the boogeyman DJ Vlad. <laughs> Fuck, man. Every week, bro, I'm just on DJ Vlad. Just thinking, oh, I'm just... I shouldn't be on here. I shouldn't be on here. People are going to hate me for this. But it's a lot, lot of information. Anyway, she told him that she entered the unit as a soloist, uh, flavor unit, but was paired up with another female MC whom she had solid chemistry with, uh, Kia Rose. Now, she also became affiliated with Queen Latifah's road manager, who actually then became her actual manager. She began recording demos with Kia, and through their connections, these demos made their way to Das FX, who actually signed them. And they actually marketed themselves as the female version of Das FX. And she said it didn't really work out, uh, both with Das FX and as a duo. She told Vlad, now we're older, around 19 years old. That's when I noticed the biggest difference between myself and my partner. I surrounded myself with guys, running with guys, and my partner was more clicked up with girls, and I just hate girls. By the way, when I'm reading these things out, if you watch the interviews, Ra is very sarcastic. She is prone to hyperbole and she's happy to do that. Like it's it's when she says, I just hate girls, she laughs and she's, you know, like she's over-exaggerating. She's just saying, I just didn't, didn't click with girls the way that my partner did. She says, girls suck. She always hung with a bunch of girls and I preferred the rougher, tougher route in hip hop. And I ran the streets with guys who were the outsiders. That was pretty much my journey. So this early experience with Flavor Unit convinced her that New Jersey had something to say and the scene was vibrant enough to devote herself to it rather than hopping over to New York and trying to make it as an NYMC. She could carve out a career as a New Jersey MC. So she credits Queen Latifah heavily with pioneering that path for her. So she linked up with the outsiders and this pushed her career into the limelight. In a pivotal moment, the outsiders, and outsiders obviously from Jersey, they actually rapped on a Fuji's track the legendary joint Cowboys off the score. And we actually get Lauren Hill and Ra going back and forth a little bit in the second verse, which was a huge moment. But she didn't get paid a cent for that. And she said, she told Vlad, and I, this, I guess this makes sense. She said, when you're coming up, you're either battling in the street or you're doing songs. The Fuji was one of those groups where you do songs. Nobody, nobody is battling the Fugees. Young Z was actually signed to Roughhouse, Young Z of Outsiders. He was an opening act for the Fugees going on tour. So really all of that came through Z. He was the one with the Fugees on a daily basis. They were working on the score. Z brought me and Pace into the fold. Next thing you know, we end up doing the song Cowboys. I would like to think that a lot of the Fugees artistic switch with that score album really did have a lot to do with the outsiders being around. I've never heard anyone say that before. I found that fascinating. Blunted on reality to the score. She said that's what she was talking about. The first time Lauren sang was on a Z album. So he was very influential with encouraging her to sing more. Now, we talked in the Fuji's episode about Wyclef being influential in getting Lauren to sing. But anyway, um, Ra continues, we're on this record. We're sectioned off in the basement. I'm in the corner with Lauren. We just decided to go back and forth. That's how we were going to separate the song. So Ra said this was her official coming of age. She said, this was my first big, oh shit, I'm out there. 
the album ends up going diamond. We shoot a video. The video actually helped me get our record deal. There was some buzz about this girl who kind of looks like Lauren. Their voices are similar. I go to my label meeting with Q-Tip. Sylvia Roan walks in the meeting late, like, oh, this is the girl who was in the video with the Fugees. Okay, sign her. So we go talk about Q-Tip, obviously. Now, Q-Tip is pivotal for Ra. Ra had been performing live since the seventh grade, open mics, parties, clubs, battling people. Um, there's this dude named Cornelius that she talks about a lot in interviews that she used to battle back in the day. Um, apparently he was an incredibly sharp lyricist and no one wanted to battle him. So Ra was always the one who battled him. So she met Q-Tip during a recording session for Young Z. And because Ra was pregnant at the time, she said her and Q-Tip were the only two in the room not smoking. And this drew them together. She told Billboard this, during the session, we ended up sitting and had a real conversation. I blurted out to him, I got 30 days, 30 days to get a record deal before this baby is born. And he said, I'll sign you. Sure enough, the following week was a lyricist lounge where I performed pregnant and Q-Tip was hosting. True to his word, he led me by the hand up to the offices of Electra Records. And she got signed. But unfortunately, Electra did not work out. She told another interview that uh, Q-Tip was going through some things personally around this time and he lost the production deal that she had with Electra. So from a business perspective, she was in, le- in limbo because she was still on the label. She just had no, you know, Q-Tip was doing his own thing. Um, on top of this, she'd just given birth and had a newborn to take care of and provide for. So Q-Tip actually went to Buster Rhymes and said, um, this girl is dope, and this is Ra's words, this girl is dope, and I don't want her career to go down the drain with my deal. So she told Billboard she felt Q-Tip had maybe bitten off a bit more than he could chew by signing her. And since Tribe was breaking up, he wasn't in a position to manage her career, and so Flip Mode came into the picture. And obviously, Q-Tip, Buster Rhymes, you know, very leaders in new school, like, you know, deep connection. So then she said, I think what sealed the deal for me was the crew record that Buster had on Disaster Strikes. He had a song called We Could Take It Outside where he featured the rest of the crew. I pretty much stole the show and reviews came back, like, who's that girl? And Buster just said, okay, she's a firecracker. I have to lock this down. And thus we get a debut album, Dirty Dirty Harriet. I would just um, <clears throat> a brief mention to uh, the Flip Mode squad overall because I was just, um, while, you were, while you were talking, I was just... Um, Clicking through, looking, looking at stuff. Oh, I love flip mode. Split star, man. Bro, to see the 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 names are just of the quote unquote past members. It's just it's kind of hilarious. It's just there's so many. Nori, Papoose, Ra, Rock Marciano, apparently. Yeah. Uh, DJ Scratch. Like, there's, there's some Nikki Greer. Like, there's some there's some there's some people on here. So it's, it's crazy. Ton of mixtapes. Anyway, um, yeah. Uh, Dirty Harriet. Um, I kind of wish it was named Harriet Thugman. I just uh, yeah, that, that name was just been, so, yeah. that name just hits so so much better. Harriet yeah. Thugman, like it's just it's a, that's a fucking great name. But instead, we get it as the well second track, I guess. Um, technically, um, I, f- I I I find it interesting this New Jersey element. Um, to you know, you mentioned artifacts, <coughs> and obviously Raw as well. Um, but also someone like Redman, right? Yeah. Um, and I was just, I was just when I was listening to this album, uh, which is you know majority of production is by Knots. Shout out to Knots, very to highly Nots. underrated producer. I'm, I'm glad you agree. I'm glad you agree. Always, always, never missed to me. Like always coming through with some heat. Like the amount of people he's worked with over the years, just like 
yeah, absurd, absurd like catalog, really underrated. Um, but yeah, you know, he's 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 uh, he's involved in most of the, in the majority of these. Um, I'm seeing one, two, three, four, five, yeah, about five by five tracks of the 18. So you know, have a healthy amount. Um, you also got Buster Rhymes on a couple of production credits. Pete Rock on what they call me. Uh, DJ Premier uh, on Lessons of Today. Uh, Hand your bi uh, with DJ Scratch is good as well. There's some good stuff all over here. DJ Shock as well on a do the ladies run this and Imperial top tier, uh, probably the best two tracks on here. Um, but yeah, man, I th- I think the 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 cool G rap element that you mentioned is very interesting as well. Um, I feel you know uh, there's there's this there's this style to her that is just so she's got the fundamentals. You know what I mean, she's got the fundamentals down pat, right? Just, uh, just, just really, just really solid from a foundational perspective in writing and punchlines and all of that. She's just so, her foundation is super solid, and as it sh- as it should be, I guess, because <laughs> she was she's been about this life for at this point in ninety nine two thousand or ninety eight ninety nine. Um, you know, and released in 2000 uh, specifically. She's been about this for 10, 11 years. Um, you know, a po- a, a, on, to- on top of uh, from listening to Cool G Rap and now she's here 10 years later um, with this album. It's, it should be how it should be uh, good from her end in terms of uh, how she comes through with lyrics. Um, I love the features on here as well. <coughs> couple of outsiders uh you know just uh cameos here buster rhymes on imperial uh with the amazing uh interpolation uh i forget what song it is specifically um but it's it's there if you if you've heard it you know you know what i'm talking about i'm gonna find it as ben's talking uh because i need to say it and actually be specific because it's a fucking it's a fucking heat interpolation he uh, he song uh from back in the day um, but you know, do the ladies run this with Eve and Sonya Blade? Banger! Just, just, ugh, just they they were coming through with heat. Love that. Um, what they call me actually, I really enjoy as well. Uh, Outsiders on Last Words, really good. Just for you with the Flip Mode Squad as well, uh, and uh, handle your bi as well. And uh, lessons of today, just really, really good tracks all over this uh, sprinkled all over this uh, particular album. And yeah. Um, Going back to the uh, the New Jersey element, the 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 thing that also fascinates me is production wise. I feel like I could have imagined artifacts on here. I could have imagined Red Man on these tracks, and I find that very interesting. That we don't actually, you know, you know, when we when we think of you know uh, a New York sound, right? When we think of like DJ Premier, for example, um, you can you can imagine obviously first, you know, likes of Guru on it. Um, but I don't know. I listen to a Gangstar track, and I can only imagine Gangstar being that track, if, if that makes sense, right? I listen to a Dre track with Snoop Dogg on it, and I'm like, this can't, and nobody else can be on this track. And I'm not saying this is a negative. I'm just saying this is the kind of like a subjective fascination I have with this. Um, when I'm listening to these, especially production wise, like I said, I can imagine the New Jersey eye specifically being on top of these. And I find that interesting because I don't think we, uh, I don't think people 
<clears throat> think of New Jersey hip hop in that sense, where they have a sound. Now, if you ask, if you're gonna ask me to explain it, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I just can't. It's just inherent in my head. As here. in, explain the uh, Jersey sound. Can I? As in, like, if you ask you to explain what the the New Jersey's what the New Jersey yeah, sound uh, is. Yeah, if you if you if you ask me to explain it, I can't. Because even with that said, you know, they have knots here. DJ Premier, they're not from there anyway, so it doesn't really hold up, so to speak. Um, but I don't know. I just I guess uh, I don't know. It's just something about her. Uh, maybe maybe how they all rap, or maybe that's the connection. It's just that they all rap in a certain fashion, um, where they have this kind of like chesty, um, uh, not not abrasive, but like uh, kind of like in your face style rap, kind of like just rapping right into the mic kind of thing. And I guess it's that. Maybe maybe it's that. Maybe it's not production or maybe it's just how. Uh, you know the likes of Raw, the likes of Artifacts and Redman, the like the how they come through forward on the mic is uh very interesting. But anyway, that's just a, a very loose um hypothesis um that I come up. But yeah, I, I enjoy this album; it's really good. I feel like she doesn't get outshined um uh with the with the several features on here because she easily could have. Um, but I feel like she rightly um holds her own uh throughout the whole thing and takes the whole album by the scruff of the neck. I would posit that New Jersey MCs are very adaptable. I think that yes, it's hard to sure. define a specific New Jersey sound because I think, you know, back in the day, New York had a very distinct sound. The West Coast had a very distinct sound. The South had a very distinct sound. And New Jersey didn't yep. have, they didn't have the size that the others did. They were way more adaptable, I felt like, their MCs. Like, you wouldn't say, oh, I know exactly what a New Jersey album sounds like. Whereas you'd be like, yeah. I know and exactly. And New Jersey ain't the only one, right? Like, what's the, what's the Detroit sound? We know now, the, but like... What's the Chicago sound? You're yeah, just going to say, you're just gonna say But, SV, you know, some people you know? might say Black Milk, you know what I mean? So, uh, and then Chicago sound, you know... People might say Kanye, but I don't want to think that's that because you know I've said this before. Chicago is so broad, like you can't just say that because there's 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 too much variety in Chicago to just say Kanye. But yeah, that's almost what you would say with Chicago. There's so much variety. Like that's almost like how you would define it. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Uh, Past the Duchy, by the way, by Musical Youth. That's the uh, Imperial interpolation that they were doing uh, on the hook. So. Uh, yeah, shout out to Pastor Dodgy, classic track. Shout out who sampled, I assume. <laughs> yes. Uh, Defense, as, uh, as uh, some people call it. Dirty, <laughs> Dirty Harriet. <laughs> so the initial goal for Dirty Harriet was actually for it to be solely produced by Primo and Pete Rock. Um, oh, so it gosh, meant, imagine. Yeah, it was meant to be side A, Primo, side B, Pete Rock. Uh, and eventually she would like replicate that or attempt to like the one producer or even it was two producers but um 2010's sophomore album was produced entirely by knots but she told sylvia roan she wanted primo and pete rock but obviously things weren't going swimmingly with electra at the time getting two production legends to produce side a and side b for a new artist became less feasible so knots was at the very genesis of his production career at this point one of the most, as Charlie said, and I'm glad he said it, one of the most underrated producers in existence. He produced three tracks on Buster's 98 album ELE. He picked up one credit on Biggie's posthumous album Born Again. But Dirty Harriet was the first album he had more than three tracks on in his entire career. And Ra told uh, Billboard, 
I met a producer by the name of Knott and started working with him and we had great chemistry. So I got up to song number seven when Buster said he didn't want the whole album to be one style. So we got Rock Wilder and Shock. After that, it was pretty much open as far as production. I really focused on having a pure hip hop album, so much so I couldn't even fathom having an R&B hook on it. But the album came together and it didn't take long. I was in the studio around the clock seven days a week, the same way I was with Flip Mode. That's one thing with Buster, that dude's work ethic is relentless and it shows. Now, it was reviewed really well and uh, whilst it does feature a bunch of other artists, it's definitely not overblown with features. Buster drops by with that, that horrible skit was the worst. I, I, didn't, I didn't like the skit, but really the, the triumph is Ra. Her razor sharp pen game, her metronomic flow, which keeps time on top of some super hard hitting production. I wouldn't call it the classic, but it's a very, very solid album and certainly indicative of an artist who had spent the better part of a decade honing her craft around legends like Queen Latifah, The Outsiders, Q-Tip, The Fugees. It did perform well too, number 18 on the Billboard 200. It remains the only non-Buster solo album released on Flip Mode to chart in the top 60 of the Billboard 200. So it definitely had commercial cut through, um, and it was it was a good album, man. It was a really solid album. It was coming out in the year 2000, so this was right around the explosion in commercial success of female MCs. Obviously, Salt and Pepper led the way, uh, but then Missy Elliott, Lil Kim, MC Light was starting to blow up like even more commercially towards the mid 90s. Um, Foxy Brown, obviously, a mill dropped an album, I think, 99, 2000. So, you know, the, the mainstream was, and obviously Lauren dropped in 98, so the mainstream was awash with uh, commercially successful female MCs around this time, Eve. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and it sits well in that. And it sits differently. It sits differently to those other albums, much differently. It's, For sure. it, it feels more like Ra is a member of Flip Mode, just another member of Flip Mode. Like, I felt like with other, like, especially, you know, the Jermaine Dupree, Debrat stuff, you know, we, we keep going back to that pushed that they're female MCs. That's the that's the key part of their marketing. This is a female yeah. MC. This is a woman. This is a little bit different than what we were doing before, guys. We got a woman in here. And it, it was the same with Emil. <laughs> it was the same with Emil at Rockefeller. Yeah. But Ra never felt like that. Never, ever, here ever, ever. And Buster knew what... A female. Exactly. Like, hey, guys, it's a female. New concept. And she's rapping. Russ. Get it? Like, you know, just the Jermaine Dupree got ridiculousness. One. So, but Ra was not like that. And, and credit to Buster Rhymes for that because he recognized that Ra was spitting on a high level. She's rapping really, really well on this album. You know, I'm putting next to a lot of rappers. She's incredibly adept on here. So there was no need for another angle. There was no need to say, hey, guys, it's a woman. Um, and I'm glad that they didn't do that because Dirty Harriet is a really solid listen. I really do enjoy it a lot. It's a great record. But then we get a hiatus, man. We get 10 years. 10 years. So I'll talk about that very quickly. Um, she actually transitioned into film. So she was in Carmen, a hip-hop opera, and a movie called 13 Ghosts, which had a massive $40 million budget. Now, she actually did an interview with Doggy Diamonds, and she was she said that she was offered a bunch of roles after this. She even did the pilot with MC Light for Boondocks. But firstly, she didn't want to get typecast. And secondly, she said she didn't vibe well at all with movie life after coming from music life. She said that the transition was not her cup of tea at all. So she began preparing for her second album, which was entitled Everything is a Story, which was due to be released on J Records in 2004. 
Uh, she's actually really closed off when questioned about that record. She told Doggy Diamond simply that it didn't come out. Um, there are various interviews where she mentions it in passing that this album exists, but it just didn't drop. Um, it did leak eventually, and I think she was saying, because she did say in an interview that she put some of the songs up on MySpace herself. When I look look that stuff, like the album exists. You got MySpace. Yeah, shout out, shout out MySpace. Shout out Tom. Shout out Tom. Um, it's on YouTube. The album's on YouTube. I listen to it. It's, it's it's really good. It's it's actually it's actually freaking fire. Uh, Party and bullshit was okay. a lead single, and she laced the album the fuck up, bro. She had Fab, Mary, Mob Deep, Eve, Missy, Ghostface, Snoop Dogg. Production came from a bunch of epic artists, and so Ra let it go herself. And I, that's the thing that really frustrates me about it. I want to know what happened. I want to know why the hell J Records shelved this. Is it because it was too expensive? But they already had all the the features and all the production, so they would have already paid for that, I guess. I don't know if they pay for it when an album comes out, or surely you would pay the artist just to do the performance. Like, you know, Snoop Dogg's just not going to hop on a track for free and then get paid when the album comes out. So they would have spent a ridiculous amount of money on this record. And it would have just changed the course of her entire career, I personally feel, because, you know, Dirty Harriet went number 18 on the Billboard 200. You know, that's that's solid. But this album was the next step. This was going to go top 10. This had Party and Bullshit, which was a fire first single, had all these huge guests. 2004, it was meant to come out right in the middle of that bling, or maybe at the tail end, but I would still call it the genesis or the peak of bling era because by 05, 06, it started to drop down a lot. This would have been the fucking album, but it did not come out, and it really changed the course of Ra's career. Like, I'm, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's just a bit confusing because then we didn't get classic until 2010. You know, we got it's a decade after her debut album. I'm not sure what happened on the label side. I'm not sure what happened behind the scenes, but uh, I think it was, yeah, really arrested her career when it was about to explode, personally, I think. Yeah, now that um, now that's within mind, I feel that that's kind of just the missing link, right? Yep, 100%. Because uh, first, well, firstly, before I get into that, like, it's hilarious that she said she, went, she wasn't into the transition from film to music when... I feel like the other way round is usually the, uh, usually the the hard thing, because uh, the music industry is so much worse <laughs> than the than the film in U.S. film industry. That's hundred percent uh, true, objectively. Um, but yeah, you know, each to their own. But yeah, I feel that now that you're saying that, and it's just right in the middle there. Um, it just yeah, I can't I can't think of another phrase apart from the missing link because. I feel a lot could have uh could have changed uh for her from that. Classic probably wouldn't even be what it is. No. Um as we as we can listen to it today. Um her career might be different, who knows? I mean, just from the features alone it sounds uh just super enticing. And yeah, man, I just don't know how the I, there's no wonder these most of these just record labels just fuck off into the ether or just get absorbed by the big three because shit like decisions like this it's like, what you do is decision man what's the motive to do that it's just you're cutting, your, cutting your nose to spite your face it's just uh, 
It just sounds hilariously dumb of a decision. Um, but yeah, we do have classic and um yeah, so it's twenty ten and it was entirely produced by Knots. Um so, you know gonna enjoy that part of it since i get a guest give up in the begin uh, in the in uh, the dirty harriet but yeah it's uh it's solid on that front and yeah i just don't know it's just uh it, it's like you like you said um, you mentioned in passing um during the beginning during the intro that uh it's kind of uh i guess softer right and it's not uh it's not it's not too aggressive so to speak um but you know I, even with that said i i see I, i'm reading few lyrics here and you know like, like it's not it doesn't it doesn't come off as oh she's just uh you know gone soft or anything like that she's still she's still she's still rapping rapping right um reading this bit from this ain't no little kid rap that's i don't uh, like that song <laughs> some weird, to pick another one? there's some weird oh. lyrics on that song but read them out like it's just some weird lyrics <laughs> i'm trying Okay, uh, take two totes and pass in vogue Minecraft. Grown up swag, whole another vocab. Uh, your one hit wonders blown up smoke up the arse. See, even after your peak, you never measure me. Raw legendary status, Rakeem, Merrick B. Digging in some little kid ass like pit. What? That's what I. St- yes, Charlie. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Excuse me, Ra. Excuse me. Excuse me. I missed that. <laughs> I'm sitting there listening to it. I'm like, I was reading. I was reading this completely fresh. I was just yeah. like, I missed that one. Fuck it. I was hoping really? you'd read that out. Okay. Well, I don't want you to read it out because I don't want it to exist. But... I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, st- I'm gonna stop there. <laughs> Thank you, please. Okay. That's completely killed my point. Yeah, that song is not where it's at. That <laughs> song is, needs to be point. deleted from existence. That one. I mean, well, I wanted to. Well, I wanted to actually read the straight spit uh, for because. Um, I'm a big fan of the Straight Spin uh, series, there, that, that mini series there. Um, but yes, okay. <laughs> I still, I still believe uh, the, <laughs> yeah, the, it's fine. It's, it's fine. It's, it's, a, it's a fine album. It's, uh, it's the, uh, yes. Uh, I can't get over that now. I can't get over that. Yeah. I've, I've killed it for myself. I've lost all momentum. <laughs> I've so, lost all momentum. I'm so I just ran wild right that you it. went onto that exact. Like, I ran it, right into it, bro. I didn't even clock him when I was listening to it. It just went right over my head. It just ran right over my head, and <laughs> I apologise. <laughs> Even though most of the time I purposefully read bad lyrics just for the hell of it, but yeah, that did not help the case I was trying to make. Um, yeah, I completely lost steam on that. That was serendipitous <laughs> that you actually read that out, because like... Yeah, that was, yeah. It was like serendipity, but the opposite. To be honest, it's the worst bar on the album. Like that—that that song doesn't fit on the album. The rest of the album's great. It's just a viral I didn't like. But viral I didn't like just because I don't like it that much. It's little kid rap or whatever it was called. I don't even remember. I'm trying to—I'm trying to erase it from my memory. Charlie's just reading the lyrics over and over again. <laughs> like it's like holy shit, man. But look, I—it's a—you know—we got another album. It's an independent album. Ra herself said that she has a one hot album every 10 year average to keep up, which I liked a lot. Um, 2010, uh, it's solid, man. You know, I, I do did feel like a track like Viral felt a little bit of the times. Um, I think the sharpness of her pen was slightly dulled on this record, but I still think it's great. I still think lyrically she's, she's on point here. 
her debut LP was easily the most lyrically adept in flip mode and dropping in 2000, I would have placed her up against anyone lyrically. I think even in 2010, she still had something truly unique to say and a very unique way of saying it. Um, but on classic, I just felt it was a bit labored. The hooks were a bit poor. The beats were a bit too much 2010. Um, and that's an issue for all the artists who got swept up in the sound of 2009 to 2013. There are some truly unlistenable projects from around this time because hip hop production was just in such a weird place. You know, samples had been out of vogue and out of financial possibility for 15 years. The bling era of pop rap had run its course. Boom bap had run its course. It was still eight or nine years off its second wind. EDM was ruling the airwaves and producers were trying to make maximal records. Wiz Khalifa, Max debut album, uh, Lasers, B.O.B. Even Royce and Eminem had that song Lighters on Bad Meets Evil. You know, it's a terrible song. So that's I think that that's the definition of this era. And the artists doing it well, like Nicki and Drake, were blessed with bountiful budgets. So... It wasn't, a, it wasn't a sound that the underground could really embrace because it was you needed money, you needed these huge producers, you needed five or six producers on every track. I think Knotts did fine, but you know, trying to recreate detail in Bangladesh beats with a fraction of the budget was, was not really where it was at. Um, I just I thought that maybe she could go back and do more just straight up boom bap because she calls herself the queen of boom bap on this album. So, and I, I don't disagree with that. I think she, she slays it. But yeah, it's, it's a good album. It's just hard to listen to straight after her debut album because that album was just so, yeah. so is it, is good. It's a drop-off in play, yeah. It's a drop-off. And it's not a drop-off in her bars apart from, you know, one song. I don't think it's a drop-off in her bars. I just think it's a drop-off in just the whole, everything else around the album. It's just not as... And that's not a criticism of Knots. You know, I, I love Knots and I love his production. It's just... It just something wasn't right on this album. Something wasn't clicking and gelling the way it did on the debut album. Um, and that was it, man. That was it, 2010. And she's still a hugely prominent person in hip-hop. Part of the God cast with Lord Jamar and Godfrey. Uh, she has an essential voice in rap. And I do like God cast. Like, I've listened to it quite a lot. And she's, like, super knowledgeable. If you watch that show, she's often the one when they have an interview or, like, someone on. She's the one pulling references from all over, and they're not—they're not usually prepared references. You can tell they're off the cuff. Like someone will say something that they didn't expect, and Ra will be the one be like, "Oh, that reminds me of this," or "You once said this," or you know, "So and so said this before," and then that will push the interview in a whole different direction. It's really fascinating, incredibly intelligent, and well-read. Um, she said that she still has plans to drop another project claiming to Doggy Diamonds that the pandemic actually ruined her 2000, 2010, 2020 plan. So she was planning to drop in 2020. Um, but bro, I just want to hear more from her as a rapper. Like, I don't even know if she's done that many features, to be honest. Like, it's almost like she just kind of, I don't know. I, I genuinely feel that 04 album just, just really changed the course of her career and it, it could have gone in a completely different direction. And again, that's 04. She might've been the female MC to like go into the uncharted territory of like 06 to 2010, that period between when Missy kind of moved away from things and then Nikki came in. There was this big period, like four or five years in the middle there where female MCs were not charting well at all. They weren't, they just weren't charting. They, they weren't, there wasn't anyone in the mainstream. Ra could have been that female MC in the middle there. And that's not to, to typecast her in her own words as a female MC in inverted commas. But there was definitely a lack of 
you know, a female voice in the mainstream in that four-year period. And I genuinely think she could have been that voice, but the album didn't get released. So, you know, it didn't happen. Yeah, I keep thinking about it, to be honest, and just how big it could have, it could have, uh, it could have, like, set. It might be one. Have we have we had a situation like that on the pod before? I'm trying to like I've been trying to think of like a, an album not oh, just dropping, a, like a fork in the road kind of thing. Yeah, like, like universe. Something yeah. getting shelved and then like an entirely different direction being brought about because of that. Maybe not. Maybe not. And a particular album drop in, even though she did drop it herself, but obviously just with less fanfare, um, and less budget put behind it. But uh. Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of uh, what ifs because it's basically what it is, right? So there's there's so many what ifs that you know, uh, hip hop culture loves to talk about. Um, what if this person didn't die or whatever? But you know, yeah. it, it, it pertains to like album, an album drop in. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I can't think of one in in like properly. Um, but I'm sure there's definitely a lot of shelved albums that you know can be found on YouTube. And it's just like, oh, why didn't they release this? I mean, you mentioned Kanye. There's plenty of Kanye records that never came out and people just swear by it that they're so fucking good. I and never spun I'm just Kanye. Never I'm just never, never going to listen to them. Cause I don't I'm listen like, to yeah, leaks anyway, like, to be honest. I don't know. Which is maybe yeah, a yeah. stupid thing. but I don't, I don't know. Some, sometimes it's fun, I guess. It depends how interested you are in the person, I guess. If, you, if, you find, if you're that hungry for it and you've been expecting... Uh, and it's not even is is it is it even does this count as a leak, quote unquote? Because I don't know what you mean in terms of like just an uh, unreleased album, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's like, there's different, I feel like there's a difference between leaked, excuse me, are just like something that was unreleased and got shelved, and you know, I'd rather, I'd rather be have it be just some rip off YouTube than, uh, to and then just be digital dust. In a now maybe defunct label, <laughs> you know what I mean. Mm. Just like that, that I'd rather, I'd rather that um, be the case. Um, but you know, it's it's, it's definitely an interesting one of a of a what if, because um, most of the time it's just usually what if this person didn't die or what if they didn't break up. What if the fat boys didn't break up? Huh? Yeah, yeah, because because that was apparently a big thing. But um, yeah, man, shout out to Rod Digger, man. Um, just just listen, to Dirty Harriet. Please, um, that 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 sec that second album left me embarrassed. I can't lie to you, that was crazy. <laughs> I was just reading that fresh. <laughs> Told you, bro. <laughs> I'm so surprised you, didn't you stop actually. Me, ben. Why didn't <laughs> you just I? Let me write. Look, I've only listened to the song just a couple of times. I was listening to it, and I'm like, I wonder if he's gonna say that particular line because. And then you fucking said it, and you stopped halfway, and you're like, wait, whoops, shouldn't be saying this. I was like, what? <laughs> Oh, fuck it, though. Yep. Unbelievable. All right. Fuck's sake. We'll finish there. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, been our, it's been our uh, outstanding ending to our Women's History Month uh, celebrations. Uh, we've already locked in our, I don't even know if it's four or five for next year. Um, I haven't counted the weeks yet. Uh, but we do have four, and I do have a fifth one just in case. Uh, but we have locked them in. Um, so that's ready and waiting for 365, well, 365. 40-something days uh, until then. Um, but yeah, man. Overall thorts on the uh, explorations we've done this particular month? 
It's been good. I think it's been really good. I, by the way, I did. There was something. There was something in the back of my mind. There was an album, and it was Ebony by Yo Yo, and that album because I I went back through my Google Docs and that album was released, but it was like not pushed by the label, and that was kind of the end of Yo Yo's recording career. She stopped recording yeah. after that. So that's okay. maybe something that's in the same realm. But anyway, that was just in the back of my mm-hmm. head. But um. Yeah, no, I think it's been it's been very interesting because we've obviously focused a lot more on the '80s, but a lot the the more that we do these these uh, Women's History Month retrospectives, the less famous. Like we're not going to do Shantae every year, you know. Yeah, we're we're going to do Light every more year. More and more obscure. We're not going to do Lauren possible. every year, you know. So yeah, <laughs> and then I'm finding out about other female MCs whilst researching, like Antoinette. I'd never even heard of Antoinette before in my life, but I'm yep. watching an interview with her with Sweet Tea, and I'm like, bro, we got to do Antoinette. Like she's is incredible so you know sweet tea I'd, I'd never really listened to miss melody i'd never really listened to so it's very fascinating to like fill out now like i feel like we put the structure in place and the big names and now we're filling in the gaps and it's yeah. fascinating bro it's really really interesting especially these careers are just like you see how difficult it is for a female MC compared to a male MC. they've got one album two albums yeah that's that's you the know, line for me personally we in our male retrospectives, we very, very rarely have an artist who's done one album and never dropped another album, or done yeah. one album every ten years. It's, and the only reason yeah. they would do that is for some artistic reason or some personal well, reason, or they passed away. But you yeah. know, we're just seeing these uh, female MCs dropping two albums. Like it's, it's yeah, and they just they're, they're still alive and stuff. But and they still want to record. Just... They're still recording. They're just not. It's not coming out because you know. Right. And, it's just, yeah, it's, that's what's really, you know, fascinating me and, and concerning me a little bit, you know, going over this is just like, oh, shit, it really was freaking, there were so many ways in which it was hard for female MCs. This one is maybe the biggest, but the most silent. Like, there's, you know, there's yeah. just not that that desire to release this music, and it just makes me fucking sad in retrospect. It's It's awful. Yeah, I mentioned obviously during the Sweet Tea episode that was kind of like a, I was kind of posing a potential, I guess, uh, uh, train of thought about artists in the 80s and how many of them actually still do record. And obviously you mentioned Sweet Tea wanting to record in the 90s, but just never got the, I guess, opportunity to do so, for lack of a better, for lack of a better word. And I kind of feel like that's going to be a through line the deeper we get into this and the deeper we just find these um and we haven't even you know scratched um you know 2000s artists um like gene gray for example gene gray we need to do do at some point but yeah you know the just just artists like those and even you know someone like gene gray is interesting not to make it about her for 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 for, like you know uh but you know she she's obviously dropped fairly regularly i would say in the past 20 years but it doesn't seem like it doesn't it doesn't seem like she has she has it easy you know it doesn't seem like an easy road always traveled for her it seems like uh just uh they they come out independently just and in with full of heart Next and stage. just doesn't seem like she gets that she just she doesn't get the leg up i guess i don't know um, I'm just uh, I'm just throwing out words on that front, to be honest. But I do feel like that just the inherent 
the inherent sexism that comes through um, and the unconscious, the unconscious sexism, I'll say, that comes through with these um, is, I feel, very evident. Um, it's, you know, just a fan, it's most of th- these have been, apart from Mia X, have been one or two albums. Kind of says a lot. Um, and even with Mia X, it was, what, three? Three. Uh, yeah. And what was it, when was the last album? One, like? t- one twice, a two, and a three. Like, that's crazy. Her last album um, was 98. Like, she dropped three right. albums in three years. Right. And then 98 now, was the last time she dropped. And and compare this to, like, um, compare this to now, where, you know, prominent artists like, let's say, Sims or Rhapsody, for example. I think Rhapsody has about, I think, four albums, studio albums, I think. Um, Idea of Beautiful... I think Layla's Wisdom and then Eve, so that's three. I think there's maybe a fourth one, I'm not sure. Maybe think of a mixtape. But three, definitely. You know, Sims has four. Um, or I think five. I think five now, considering no thank you. So, you know, and... Yeah, rap has They're three. just... And them, and they're not just starting. So how far are they going to go? How far are they going to take it? You know, Nicki Minaj is kind of like on... I don't want to say back end of her career or anything, but she's... Transition period. She's, uh, she, yeah, but she, you know, she's dropped. She dropped four. how many? I think uh, th- six. Four think. albums so far. Four. I can't count for shit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just throwing out numbers. She's got a couple mixtapes in there as well. well I'm throwing out. I'm throwing the dark blind right now. Just saying these numbers. Uh, I don't know. Four, five. Um, but yeah, that's but crazy. Nikki dropped most popular, four. Just because. The most popular. Yeah. Four. <laughs> yeah, but I think Nikki dropped but, four on purpose, like. But what I'm finding, what I'm seeing now, is people want a Rhapsody album. People are desperate for a rap. People want a Sims album. People and she's, are, and, and I think she's definitely dropping this year. She's hinted several times. So rap. you know, consider yeah, yeah, yeah. Consider that, consider that locked in for this year. But yeah, man, I'm yeah, I've been thirsty for that shit. Like yeah, ready to go. But things haven't changed that much. Like it's not like you know, all of a sudden we're like interested in female MCs. Everyone would have sure. been, you know, it's just that it's way more accessible to us now. We don't need major labels telling us what to listen to. Yeah. We don't need singles to tell yeah. us what to listen to. So to me, that says that the demand has always been there. It's just that labels haven't been given a fuck to put the effort and the time and the money into promoting it because it was just not, it was different. It was like, well, they're women and this is hip hop. This is a male dominated genre. But like what's happening now with the explosion of female MCs says to me that there's right. always been demand there. It's just that now we can fucking actually access it and these artists can put out music themselves. They don't need, you know, Jean Grey's put out four albums on four different labels and all of them have been reviewed incredibly well. I just went through a discography. Like they've been unbelievable reviews and they're all great albums. And that's in, what, 21 years. Think of how difficult it's been for Jean Grey to release, like, actual studio albums. It's, she drops yeah, heaps yeah, exactly. of projects, like, yeah. frickloads of EPs and mixtapes and compilation albums. But, you know, labels aren't taking a chance on... Uh, it just pisses me off. I always end up pissed off at the end of these women's history <laughs> bars. It's like, bro, it's disgusting behavior. Like, Yeah, it's, 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 it's not... Um, it's something that... I don't think people uh, see all the time. And when you think about just the, from a numbers perspective and from a, um, yeah, just a purely numbers perspective, I mean, Meg's, Meg's dropped two albums. 
you know, obviously she's dropped, you know, EPs and mix. Well, she's dropped mixtapes in between there, you know, like Sugar and one, some for the hotties as well. But she's dropped two studio albums, and it just, uh, I don't know, feels it feels <coughs> it's, it's interesting. And and my point was when it came to Rhapsody and Sims was um, that they this I'm hoping, <laughs> fingers fucking crossed, that you know these these. They're, they're only getting started. I feel like these these women can be artistic heavyweight for just the rest of time. And hopefully they're able to do so if they want to do that. Like if they want to continue, uh, you know, artistically exploring and stuff like that. You know, I think about, you know, jazz records and how many there are for so many artists and how they're just able to just just do these sessions and bang out these bang out these albums and continue to evolve musically and i feel like a lot of um uh females in the industry just don't get the don't get that luxury to um explore or uh or just um you know or try new shit you know like no thank you was a very very uh different album for me listening to it when sims dropped it and she dropped it with pretty much zero fanfare she i think she like said she she hyped up uh the week before and then it dropped and then that was it <laughs> and now like you know vinyl and that are coming out for, to support it but um it's interesting it's it's, it's very it's very fascinating i, I think my point basically was just that the ability to actually continue careers is getting there but not for everyone. Like, I don't, Rod Digger didn't re, re, kind of, the fact she got Dirty Harriet was kind of a dub for her in that fashion. And then it just completely just uh, got the rug pulled from under her. And then, you know, Sweet Tea, like we said, tried to attempt, and then that didn't happen for whatever reason. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. But, uh, yeah, like I said, <laughs> pissed off by the end of it as always. Um, but yeah. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, from the Fifth M Podcast Network. It's been Digging Digits. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm excited to tell you the Fifth Men Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. Oh yeah, actually, since we're talking about women's uh, history and stuff like that, I recently interviewed uh, Mystic, um, the DU goddess um, for What's Good. So if you want another uh, female MC to get into, uh, feel free. Um, we talked about a lot of good stuff a lot of interesting stuff went on a lot of tangents uh started talking about the words content and influencer my two Ooh. most hated words ever um and uh yeah we're getting some really we she <laughs> she's the met she's a member of digital underground and we didn't even get to that that's how crazy the interview was that's that's how that's how loose the interview was um so is is very fascinating she's a very fascinating person um check out her music as well um just uh yeah Another, another very uh, undersung, I feel, artist, uh, female artist in the hip hop space. Um, so if you want another one there, feel free. What's good, Nick, in the full channels? Don't know. Uh, and yeah, but that's it. Hope you all have a good week. We should always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. All right, peace. Oh, 
the evening digits are produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me, music for this show, it's Pizza and Video Games by Bonus Points. Thanks to short music for the ability to use. Socials with Fulfillment here for five numbers, bonus points, such short music, all being the full show notes, as well as the project review, wherever you're listening. This is a bit of Fulfillment Podcast over production. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time. Digging in the digits.